Welcome back to Fireside, a podcast from FS Investments. My name is Kara O'Halloran. I'm a director on our investment research team. And while I think we always have really interesting topics, I think today's conversation may be one of the most timely and relevant that we've had yet, and that is return to work. This has been the question over the last year and a half. Bringing employees back to the office in a safe way has certainly been top of mind for many companies. It seemed like things were trending towards a return in September, um, but the Delta variant had other plans for many companies. Um, So we talk about where the office sector is now, where it's headed, and what that may mean for investors. I could not have two more appropriate people to talk about this with. I am so excited to bring you this conversation between FS's own Steve Oblack, who is an executive director on our client portfolio management team who specializes in commercial real estate, and Phil Orban, who is a managing director at Rialto Capital Management. Rialto is an integrated real estate investment and asset management company that invests and manages assets throughout the capital structure in real estate properties, loans, and securities. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Stephen, Phil, thanks so much for joining. I will let you guys take it away. Great. Great. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, well, Phil, normally I would say nice to see you, uh, maybe if we were doing this a couple years ago. But today we're not recording in the same room, which is perhaps apropos for our discussion. Uh, I believe you're in your corporate office while I'm still in my home office. So while I definitely want to get to the outlook and the future of office, I thought maybe you could start for us by taking stock of what has taken place since the start of the pandemic. So, you know, for me, when I'm talking with commercial real estate investors, you know, from a pricing standpoint, things have remained fairly resilient through the COVID-19 pandemic. So maybe you could talk specifically about what's gone on in the office sector over the last year and a half. Yeah, uh, happy to, Stephen. Great to connect. And the good news is we are going to see each other in person finally after, what, two years or almost two years. So that's um, excited for that. But um, yeah, it certainly goes without saying that, you know, the, the use office utilization has dec- declined tremendously following the onset of COVID. Uh, and while I am uh, sitting in my office today and, and at Rialto, we have been back in the office for quite some time now. That, that certainly varies greatly by industry and by market. Um, I, you know, anecdotally, I will say, you know, coming into the city this morning on the subway, it certainly felt like old times. I think a lot of that's driven by schools finally reopening, which is very exciting for New York City. Uh, and, you know, the subway was crowded. The, the city midtown finally feels alive, but it's been a long time getting back to that. Uh, you know, looking at office and I mentioned utilization, you know, there are interesting data points to track. Um, one particular one that we haven't focused on is castle scanner data. Uh, which is one of the largest, I guess, office um, scanner, you know, security companies in the country. They track 2,600 buildings in 138 cities. Uh, And the top 10 major markets have actually only averaged about 30% utilization as recently as last week. Um, Now, office in general, from a kind of credit perspective and from a performance perspective, has performed quite well. And that's simply because uh, you know, offices are typically, you know, leased on a long-term basis, uh, you know, tenants for the most part have continued to pay rent. And a lot of that is driven by the fact that I think most companies do believe they will return to the office and they do need physical office space uh, in the long term. And and as tenants pay rent, you know, landlords have continued to pay debt service. So we actually have seen performance in the office sector be quite steady. Uh, we can get to into it a little bit further, but, you know, Rialto as a firm, we you know we have invest continue to invest in office. We still see opportunities in the commercial office sector, 
but I, as I said, you know, office certainly how it's utilized has changed in the short term dramatically. In the long term, uh, we have certain views on how we think you know companies will return and when they'll return. Um, we're getting some more clarity, some larger employers on the return to office plans. Although the Delta variant has certainly changed that temporarily, um, but you know, happy to talk about this further. Yeah, and I think that leads in another thing that I, I wanted to talk about. And, you know, anecdotally, I remember having a conversation with my wife back in probably May, June of 2020. And I thought I'd be back in the office by Labor Day of 2020. And so Labor Day was kind of that unofficial back to office date. And like you just referenced, you know, the Delta variant certainly changed it. Um, How are you thinking about the current state of the office and, and return to work? Yeah, so it's certainly a difficult question to answer generically. Um, and I, like I said, I think it varies greatly by, by industry and by market. Uh, Labor Day 2021, I think everyone agreed, was the unofficial back-to-office date. Like you, I thought Labor Day 2020 was the return date. I have been back in the office since Labor Day 2020. I think um, you know certainly our company was one of the earlier ones to return. Uh, and we were not fully back. We're still not fully back today. So I think it's uh, to get to full utilization will take time. Um, certainly when you look at it from a market perspective, uh, certain markets, you know, as I'm looking at the top 10 MSAs in the country and, and some of the larger markets tracked by, you know, some of the larger data, real estate data firms, um, Texas is certainly leading the way. And if you look at their utilization, uh, compared to, you know, I guess where they're leased, um, you know, Dallas, Houston, and Austin, they're approaching 50% utilization. So they're certainly leading the, the country in the return to office push. Um, you know, whereas markets such as San Francisco and New York, two of the larger office markets in the country are still hovering at or below 20%. And again, I'm sitting here in New York, as I mentioned, anecdotally, you know, on the, on the way in today, you know, the subways were very crowded. Uh, it felt good. It felt alive again, Midtown, you know, the restaurants are open. I think Broadway, Broadway unofficially opened this week. And so we are seeing things come back. I'm a believer that, you know, from a personal perspective that New York City, you know, is, is going to return to normal, you know, in the near, in the, I said, call it in the midterm. Um, but again, that's also going to vary by industry. You know, uh, Rialto is a real estate company. And I think it's, it's not um, a surprise that real estate companies were probably the, the early movers to return to office. Obviously, real estate is our lifeblood. And if we're not showing up at the office, you know, how can you expect your, your tenants and your borrowers to perform as well? Um, so we have been we have been back. I've certainly come back in, a, in what we view as a safe way, uh, and we are seeing other sectors return as well. Certainly, the, you know the finance sector in general was an early return. Um, then there's the technology side, and technology tenants have been slow to return. They've been earlier. They were early adopters of remote work, uh, and they found that remote work does in fact work. But that being said, we've seen large technology firms, uh, while they have not returned to the office, have executed very large leases in major markets. So they too expect to return to the office at some point. Um, but with the Delta variant, uh, and we did see some large employers announce pushbacks in their original return to office date of uh, September 2021. Uh, that includes large firms like BlackRock, CNN, American Express, Coca-Cola, among others. They push it back you know, one month to October. So that's coming, in, you know, that'll be in a few weeks. Whereas large technology firms such as Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple have already pushed a return to work date to January of 2022. When you think about that, that's almost two years of remote work, which is really incredible and it's unprecedented. Um, but 
that being said, and I, you know, I speak to the fact that in the long term, we do believe that these firms will return to the office or have a need for physical office space. There are indicators that demand, as and as tracked by just office visits and, and tenants looking at vacant space available for lease, is picking up. In certain markets, uh, certain indicators, such as like Los Angeles, for instance, has actually seen an uptick in demand as compared to office visits in 2019. You know, representing cities like New York, for instance, which you know 2019 had already seen a softening in the commercial office sector in New York City in general. Um, but, you know, according to uh, one data point that we track uh, by the View to Space Office Demand Index, New York uh, demand as tracked by just office tours is back to about 92% of where it was in 2019. Now, again, office tours are not signed leases, but it is an, an early indicator of companies looking for space. Uh, obviously, what, how office companies will use office space on a go-forward basis is up for debate. Um, we have seen that you know larger blocks of space have been are being toured, and that could be an indicator of companies expecting to need more square footage per employee. Uh, but there's also a theory that you will see more demand for flex space. And I could you know anecdotally, I do have friends that live in this in New York City. I live in Brooklyn. Uh, their firms are in Midtown. They have re- remote work as an option, uh, but they don't have the ability to work in their home because you know New York City. We live in small apartments. Um, so I, I do have call, you know, friends that have been signing uh, for flex space desks at you know a WeWork or a WeWork type equivalent uh, that's closer to home. So there is you know some do believe that you'll see more demand for that kind of flexible shared workspace you know, on a go forward basis. Yeah, and that's what's pretty interesting to me. And and you mentioned this. There's the return to work aspect, and then there's the future of full utilization. Right. What does full utilization look like? And, you know, maybe if you could, if you have any additional thoughts, I mean, how do you think about hoteling or, or spreading people out? I mean, is it too early to make a projection with what the future of work looks like? I think it's too early to definitively say what long term the future of office work will look like. You know, I do believe there will be more demand for private office space. And, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, across the office sector, there was a push pre-pandemic to a more creative office build out, um, more interaction, uh, less walls, you know, more open space and, and collaborative and encouraging of collaborative work. I think some have called it like a trading floor setup. Uh, that, you know, you know, just by definition, people are closer to each other. There is less personal space. Um, certainly think in the near term that we might see a move away from that, maybe more spreading out, again, more square footage per employee, uh, maybe more, moving back towards more privacy as opposed to less privacy. Uh, and, but it kind of remains to be seen, you know, if there are adopters. You know, I was speaking with a technology firm yesterday who finished their build out of their office space in lower Manhattan during the pandemic. And they stuck to the course and built out a trading floor setup with more of the creative office, young millennial driven build out. And they are partially back to the office. They expect to be fully back. And that's a major technology firm. Uh, they've got over 200 employees on site. So there are firms that are still kind of feel that they're going to stick with their plans pre-pandemic. And spoken with others who are building out all offices where everyone has their private space and they can feel more comfortable. So I don't know where we shake out. Um, certainly we've seen both. Uh, and then, you know, whereas certain sectors uh, may have less demand and may adopt more work from home, other sectors continue to thrive in the office space. You know, one, one aspect of the commercial office that we haven't talked about more is life sciences. And we've seen the life science sector, obviously, you know, 
it's major tailwinds coming out of COVID had set, it was, it was growing, you know, strong fundamentals pre COVID. And we've seen tremendous demand uh, for life science space and, you know, throughout the country. Phil, I think when you bring up life sciences and, and some of the dispersion that you see inside of the office sector, how is that impacting your firm's thoughts when it comes to making investments in today's market? Well, certainly when we evaluate any investment, whether it be a senior loan or an equity investment, you know, first and foremost, we're underwriting the real estate and can we create value in that investment? Uh, a lot of creating value is the ability to drive rents, to drive occupancy. You know, are you buying the asset right? Are you buying it below replacement cost? So with respect to life science and, and how that's impacted our investment uh, approach, we've certainly been evaluating continue to, to seek investment in the life science space, but it has to meet our investment parameters. Um, so, so we would look for, we have looked for assets that we can convert to life science, assets that might be underutilized or, you know, or need to cap, you know, capital improvement um, and some leasing expertise or management expertise to stabilize the asset. Um, but we certainly look to invest in tailwind markets. But at the same time, we, we, we have looked at contrarian bets. We have acquired office buildings where we felt we can buy well below replacing costs in markets that have improving fundamentals and positive employment trends where we can create value simply by you know, leasing space up at, at market rents and generating positive returns for our investors. That's great. And maybe shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, people always talk about location when it comes to real estate, real estate investing. So over the last year and a half, many people have moved. We did an entire episode of this podcast on how red hot the housing market is and how many people have relocated, you know, whether that is just exodus of a city to the suburbs or even a complete geographic relocation. There are a lot of stories, as, as you know, living where you do, about people leaving the center of San Francisco or New York and, and maybe even relocating to places like Austin or Miami. Could you talk to us about your view on the trend from a geographic perspective? And then and this is a long-winded question, but you know, CBD or central business district towards secondary and tertiary markets? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the data does indicate that the pandemic simply accelerated what was longstanding American migration patterns. Um, anecdotally, you know, the, the headlines certainly in major cities like New York City and San Francisco, where the you know the moving companies are moving out, you know, well more than people are moving into the city, uh, and everyone's running for the suburbs or the low cost states. And while there is truth to that, certainly there were a lot of temporary moveouts in New York City. I, I you know, it is evident that what what happened during the pandemic was kind of consistent with what didn't happen pre-pandemic. Uh, there, there have been net move-outs from high-cost cities um, to more high-growth Sunbelt markets. Yeah, so some of the beneficiaries of Charlotte, Austin, and Dallas have continued to increase. Uh, but I think the predominant outflows of major markets have been to you know, nearby suburbs. And I think that's the, 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 the biggest increases, for instance, in the New York metro area, I think it was was more um, upstate submarkets such as I think the, you know Hudson and the Kingston area as a recent article I was reading. Um, so you certainly saw more migration out of major cities into nearby suburbs, uh, but there has been an on, a long-term trend of you know high cost to low cost uh, moving, and we've seen that, and it's certainly evident in the transaction volume we've seen uh, across our platform, whether it be the senior loan activity or our our equity investments. 
certainly have been more active in those lower cost states with high, high employment growth and stronger fundamentals. I will point out uh, that I think that has indicated that a lot of the migration outflows from high cost cities have been from a more mobile uh, demographic, younger, uh, typically without children, young professionals, and they had the mobility and the potential to move back to the cities when the pandemic ends. Again, it's all anecdotal at this point, but you know, speaking with the, the younger professionals here at Rialto, uh, the opportunity to get a great deal on a New York City apartment has come and gone. There was a period of time when people moved back where they can get you know, significant concessions. Uh, they were upgraded to much, much better apartments than they, they could afford pre-pandemic. Uh, but we have seen a lot of that, that vacancy get leased up. And now it's a matter of you know, some concessions burning off, but things are stabilizing. Uh, but again, that's, that is anecdotal. Um, I think it's going to, time will tell, uh, but I certainly won't bet against major New York, major metropolitan areas. Um, but there has been tremendous opportunity, you know, pre-pandemic and certainly post-pandemic in some of these lower cost cities that have seen tremendous job growth um, simply because of the lower cost of living and the lower cost of operating the business. Yeah, well, Phil, those are just great insights and, and you had a lot of great data for us uh, on the anecdotal point. Um, I spent the first eight years of my uh, professional career living in New York City. Um, there's no place like it. Uh, I will make, anecdotally, I will make my first trip back to New York City since the onset of the pandemic. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, I look forward to seeing you then. We can clearly talk much longer on this topic, you know, the return to office, but I think we need to leave it here for today. So thanks, Phil, and thanks everyone for joining Fireside. We'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by FS Investments. If you found this helpful, subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they're available.